Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Big Time Talkers Podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network. I'm Burke Allen. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Norman Wolf is our guest. He is the founder and CEO of Quantum Leaders. And what is that? Well, it's a leading voice in bringing about a transformation of the core paradigm of business. And folks, business is in trouble. And that's why we're going to talk with Norman today. He's the author of The Living Organization. If you'd like to be a part of the program, our number is 516-418-5635. That's 516-418-5635. You can also send us your questions and comments in our Big Time Talker podcast chat room. We'll pass them along to Norman, the show, a service of our friends at speakermatch.com, the United States' largest virtual speakers bureau. If you're a meeting planner or if you are a speaker, visit speakermatch.com. Norman Wolf speaks to audiences all over the country, all over the world, but not right now. Right now, I would imagine he's like the rest of us. He's hunkered down and talking to us from home. Hey, Norman, thanks for being a part of the show. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Burke. Thank you for having me. And you're right. I am sheltering at home, as we say. So you're a business guy, uh, and, and you've written this book, The Living Organization, which is about sort of the core principles of how the world works and how all these groups and organizations create extraordinary impacts. And uh, folks, uh, you know, as high up as the CEO of Whole Foods praises the book and says it's fantastic, but we're in a whole different world right now. So the old rules of business, I would think, have been thrown out the window. What's the first thing you would say to someone who's listening who's a maybe a small business owner who's in trouble right now? What would you tell them? Take a big, deep breath. <laughs> uh, you know, the world has been changing a lot for a long time. For over oh, probably a decade now, we've, we've heard the term VUCA, uh, volatile, uncertain, uh, complex, and ambiguous. Right? It, people have been talking about how we live in a, uh, what I call a paradigm, uh, a, a way of thinking that's centered around our ability to predict and control. It's fundamental to how we run businesses, you know, you look on, on um, Wall Street and all businesses are supposed to predict what they're going to do. And if they meet the predictions, Wall Street likes them. I mean, it's just sure. embedded in our way of thinking. So what do you do about predictability and control when life turns out to just turn upside down and you can't predict or control anything? Uh, one of the one of the core principles. There's two core principles that we teach uh, in the living organization framework. Uh, one is is um, moving from the head to the heart. We call it heart-centered wisdom, and and there's a reason for that skill set. Um, and and it's not that far into business. A lot of businesses have been practicing mindfulness training within organizations. What that does is it, it opens us up to uh, what is in the moment. What I mean by that, if you think about what happens to the uh, kind of the brain science of how our brain works, when we're in panic, the natural reaction of our system is to focus it. It shuts everything down and, and just focuses on the immediate threat. Well, that's good if the immediate threat is understood and you know how to respond. 
But if it's sure. completely uncertain, you need as much parameters. You need to almost open up, which is opposite. It's almost counterinstinctual to the way we've been trained. So one of the key things I would tell people right now is breathe. Trust you'll be okay. We don't know outcomes, but there is a way to navigate through uncertainty. And that brings me to the second principle that I'd like to share, and that is what we call improvisation mindset. Right. Um, if you think about what improv improvisers do, whether it's comedy improv, jazz improv, theater improv, um, or just the way we really live life, if you think about it, improvisation is a way of being comfortable not knowing something and trusting we know the right action or a better for, for the outcome that serves our lives best. Uh, when you walk into, like today, I entered this podcast. I, we did not script this. Uh, I had no idea what you were going to ask me. Or right, So I'm improvising right, yep. right now. And if you can learn to do that with your whole life, uh, it opens you up to possibilities. You can see opportunities. Um, and let me just give you one example. Uh, a friend of mine is the CEO of a uh, science museum and need, needless to say it's a museum social distancing has literally stopped her operation sure <clears throat> but what she did was she stepped back and say what are we really all about what's our core purpose and what she discovered was they're really there to serve a community that's that's their core purpose, and they happen to do it through science education. Um, so she looked at it and said, we have to serve our community. What does our community need right now? Well, they need places for the first responders who are on the front lines to take care of their kids because daycare is shut down. Well, what if we set up a way that we can safely take care of our ki the kids with appropriate social distancing and use our skill sets as entertainment and education to take care of the kids. And that's what they did. Oh, that's brilliant. Isn't that brilliant? And there's so many ways we, we can see opportunities when we get out of that panic mode. This thing I would teach people is stay out of panic, stay open, seek opportunities, ways to contribute to your community, the people you serve. Norman Wolf, our guest today, he's the author of the book, The Living Organization, and it's available uh, at Amazon.com. I almost said Norman at bookstores everywhere, but right now you can't go to the bookstore, so best to have it brought to you at home. And uh, if you'd like to visit him online, the website is quantumleaders.com. And uh, Norman was telling me they've set something up that's really neat if uh, you're interested you can visit quantumleaders.com slash podcast and get the first three chapters free of the book. He uh, is a, a business guru, and we're talking about how to navigate in this time where there is no previous map to follow. So that makes navigation tough. Um, mindfulness, I think, makes a lot of sense. But, you know, Norman, in, in the industries that I'm most familiar with, in the broadcasting industry and in the entertainment industry, uh, certainly on a, a large level, there seem to be a lot of tough decisions that, that are being made uh, that penalize 
workers. And I'll give you a couple of quick examples and let you respond to them. In the motion okay. picture industry, for example, um, when movie theaters began to shutter, the big studios closed down the openings of their, their tentpole films and made them available for uh, digital use, you know, home viewership. Now they right. charge really high dollar amounts for that. You know, if you want to see the new movie, The, uh, the Invisible Man, it's, it's $20 to watch that right. at home now. Um, whereas the theaters get completely cut out of that. Now there's a, a small independent film, Phoenix, Oregon, that was showing in independent theaters. They introduced a different model. And I think this goes to your improvisation note where they're charging a bargain matinee price of six fifty to watch it digitally. And they're splitting the money with those small independent theaters that were going to show their film to begin with. Now, which of those two scenarios makes more sense to you? Well, from my point of view, um, and, and I have to say, I have a clear bias, so let me acknowledge it. I tend to think beyond just short-term profits and uh, good for society. That's Not everybody thinks that way, so I'll acknowledge that. Um, Fair enough. Given that bias or that orientation, um, I think the theaters, the, the big movie studios who are charging $20 uh, is going to hurt them in the long run because people are going to remember that. I think the independent uh, studio working the way they are is really saying, what can we do to help society today? And they're going to be remembered for that. Uh, I know, you know, when I, I bought a Regal Unlimited card, which allows me to go to all the movies I want in the year. Right. Um, and you know, I'm, my wife and I loved the movie. So when we couldn't go anymore, and then we heard we were being charged $20 to watch a movie, when here we were used to going for free, <laughs> you know, $5, okay, $3, $10, but $20, it feels like I'm being gouged. And I'm going to sure. remember that when it comes back. And, and I just hate that they cut the theaters out. You know, there, there was a, a story that came out yesterday that even the big chains, AMC theaters, may not survive this thing right. um, because the big studios walked away from them. I have a, a friend who is, uh, his title is Chief Purpose Officer for Decurion, which is a theater chain in Southern California. And we were talking about the impact that it's having on them. And, you know, let's, let's face it, no business is going to get through this without some severe impacts and some very tough decisions, as you said. Um, but I was, I was thinking about his challenge and it, and it, I was again talking with my wife about it as we were uh, walking, which we have a place we can walk where there's not a lot of people. Um, and what if the movie theaters found a way to social distance. You know, I go, like I said, I go to the movie theaters a lot and oftentimes there's only six people in the theater. But what if they set up a process where they made sure that people coming in stayed a certain distance apart, just like we do at the grocery stores, that they, the seating is such, I mean, everything's reserved seating, so you can actually block out seating so people stay apart. And what if some creative movie theater petitioned governors to the community to come back and show the plan for how they can keep people safe and still be entertained? 
see, opening up to the possibilities of how do we address what is in front of us instead of bemoaning what we're losing and feeling sad about that could open up a lot of creative solutions, uh, such as my friend at the Science Museum. I don't know if this solution would work for movie theaters, but it certainly would be worth exploring. Um, it sure is. You know, and I love that that outside thinking. Norman Wolf, by the way, is our guest today. He's the founder and CEO of Quantum Leaders. If you'd like to chime in, our number is 516-418-5635. You can also send us your questions and comments in our chat room. Norman, I mentioned two industries that I'm familiar with. The other is the broadcasting industry. I, I grew up in the, the radio business. I was an on-air radio talent and all the way up to a radio station owner for many years. And at this time in America's history, when we need information the most, uh, the radio industry um, is automating their stations and in many, many instances, letting go of their on-air talent who are the communicators and, and they become jukeboxes. And uh, it seems to me, you know, the worst time in history to do that is right now. I know in you mentioned Southern California, one of the big morning shows there, they right in the middle of the pandemic fired their 30 year legacy morning talent who could have not only provided information, but it provided some comfort to people. Now yeah. and I get it. I get that advertising is way down. I get that, that those uh, radio stations have a, a, a tough bottom line that they've got to maintain, but boy, it sure seems short-sighted to take away the communicators when we need that communication most. So what say you to that? Uh, well, I, I totally agree with you, Burke. I think too many companies are oriented to just the bottom line. And obviously, being a businessman for over 40 years now, I'm not opposed to the bottom line. Without that, there's no business. And yes, at this time, we have to make some tough decisions. But the decisions we make should be held in the context of some core beliefs. And as I said, my bias is I think businesses are really here to help improve society. So what do you do at a time when society as a whole is suffering? Do I make decisions just for the short term? Or do I make decisions based for what's good for society? And um, I, I can't tell any particular business what decision to make. I can only lay out a framework for how to go about making a decision that would be long lasting, not only for the organization, but for society overall. And I think when, you know, back in the eighties, something shifted in the business world significantly. And that is <clears throat> the focus towards uh, shareholder primacy and financial engineering. And since the eight, and it wasn't that way before the eighties, it wasn't that way in the fifties and sixties. It wasn't that way when Ford uh, started Ford Motor Company. I mean, he had the philosophy that I have to pay my employees well enough so they can buy the cars that we're making for these type of people. I mean, that's, there's a, there needs to be an understanding of the whole system that we're working with. And, no business operates outside of society. So the movie theaters who are charging $20, they may not get hurt right now, but that, like I said, that's going to be remembered. When broadcasters fire people like you mentioned when they're really needed, that's going to be remembered. 
And when we come out of this, people are going to have a different set of priorities and a different decision-making process. Um, and, and that's going to affect those companies by making the decisions that's good for their bottom line in, in lieu of other trade-offs. Norman Wolf is our guest today. He is the author of The Living Organization and the CEO of Quantum Leaders. They're a leading voice in bringing about transformations of the core paradigms of business. And we had him on the Big Time Talker podcast today to talk about how business is being impacted and what you can do, whether you're a business owner or you're an employee that is, has been affected by this whole thing. Norman, I, I spoke to a gentleman that I know just yesterday who um, works in a music store. And he repairs instruments for students, uh, you know, high school, college students that play trumpets and trombones and saxophones and clarinets. And, of course, the public school systems and universities are closed. So this gentleman, Dale, got his his, uh, furlough notice yesterday, got his walking papers, because this small business that repairs instruments is no longer getting instruments in to repair. So there's no work for Dale to do. I wonder if you would have any words of wisdom for him in terms of mindfulness and improvisation um, and also for, for the business that says, look, we just don't have enough revenue to justify salaries now. I mean, it's a tough spot, but, but any first thoughts? Well, you're right. It, it, it's a tough spot. And I'm always a little cautious giving advice in those situations because it's really a very personal journey for everybody. Um, I know my daughter, for example, she's a personal trainer, right? And she can't train people. Um, and so her business obviously is gone. It's it's dried up. And yet she found a way to shift it online. Now I have another friend who's a massage therapist. You can't ship that online. Um, so what she did was uh, she started to shift and do energy work, sort of meditations online and and guidance online. Um, I, I don't know the individual. I don't know the business, but I do know and I do believe strongly in the power of human creativity. Uh, we are highly adaptive individuals when we allow ourselves to. And that's one of the reasons mindfulness is taking hold, it provides our ability to adapt, to, to shift from the head, which is the logical, rational center, um, which is focused on problem solving. And the more severe the problem, the more it contracts to the heart, which is intuitive, insightful, open, creative, um, and adaptive. And so, yeah, I, I, it's not an easy place to go, and it's especially when things are, are tough, uh, and I recognize that. And it does require some practice. Uh, breathing is one of the fundamental things, and we've known this for a long time. People who have been in panic, they, the people say, just take a deep breath, let it out slowly, relax. You know, it just reduces the adrenaline drive within us. Uh, and it opens up to seeing new possibilities. Um, it, and it's tough when we're dealing with human lives. There's a need for compassion, which again comes when we move into the heart, uh, what I call the heart center, that, that calming place within us. 
we can have compassion for ourselves, compassion for our, our neighbors, compassion for those we have to let go. Um, and it's not just, I mean, if I listen to your example of the, of the um, musician company or the musical repair company, what am I going to do with this guy? If I got no, it's not just that I don't have any income coming in. I don't have any work. What are we going to do? Sit around and play cards. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's not just the money part of it. There's the practicality part of it. If we don't have any instruments coming in, he has nothing to do. Let me actually free him up so he can think of another way to spend his time. Um, and, and fortunately, we we are beginning as a government to step in with some solutions if we ever get it squared away and get it right. Um, it, it's one of the things I'm going to kind of take a leap here um, and, and just state the position I've been feeling uh, a lot about. We in our society have this internal schizophrenia, if you will, between capitalism and socialism. And just the thought of socialism just scares the bejesus out of a lot of people. But right. if, you look at, if you look at countries like Denmark, for example, they're much more prepared to take care of this situation. They're giving their uh, residents 80% of their base salary to get them through this period. We can't do that. That that smacks of socialism. And we struggle with, you know, the... You know, who should we give the money to, to the people or to the companies? And it's just, it just almost puts our decision makers in, in, uh, in a deadline. An unwinnable spot. Uh, yeah. If you look at Denmark, they have one of the highest entrepreneurial societies in, in the world. And yet they, they, they found this, this, rather than making socialism, which is really another word for caring for our, for our, our citizens, in, in basic needs and capitalism, which is creating innovation, they found the balance. Instead of making it two opposites, they found the balance of between the two. They've been able to integrate opposites into one uniform society. It saddens me that we in the United States can't figure our way into such a balance. I'm not saying we should follow Denmark or anybody else, but we can find a way of balancing. It's one of the other skills we teach in the living organization uh, framework is what we call integrating opposites. There's never a right and wrong. Nothing in life is pure black and white. There's always this center place where the two opposites um, come together. I sometimes use the, par uh, the metaphor of a coin. You know, a coin is made up of a head and a tail. You, you can't have the coin without both of those. But it's never just a head or just a tail. It's a coin. All opposites have a mutual balance where the, the opposite ends of the spectrum come together as the coin in the middle. And if we can find that right balance for our society, for our culture, for what's important to us, um, we'd be much better off. And we certainly would be able to face pandemics or any sort of national crisis whether it be this pandemic or 9-11 or uh, the 2008 crisis, we'd be in a much better place to solve it than if we um, focus in on this kind of either-or conflict that our society is, is riddled with. Our guest is Norman Wolf. The book is The Living Organization. It's a paradigm for both organizational management and personal transformation. Um, 
John McKay, or Mackey rather, who's the uh, co-CEO of Whole Foods, says the living organization provides a deeper understanding into why Whole Foods Market consistently creates success for all the stakeholders. We've talked a lot about what's not going well in business, and we only have a couple of minutes left, but I wonder, Norman, if you've seen any business successes. You mentioned your your friend that runs the Science Museum, and I think that's fantastic. Who's doing it right out there in the business world that you've seen? Have you seen anybody that, that seems to be adapting well? Yeah, there's a company in uh, the Netherlands called, called Bertzog. Uh, it's a nursing company where the there's only one manager. That's uh, Joost de Block. He's the CEO of, um, of the company. He founded it. Uh, he has one manager. He's got seven. I can't remember the number. Seven thousand. He's got um, ten to twelve person in the uh, self-managing nursing teams that do community nursing uh, in the Netherlands. Um, and he has. He's got what I would consider one of the closest things to a living organization. Um, and the numbers, I mean, not only does he have really engaged and satisfied nurses, um, he's got a, uh, his, his level of care is uh, far superior than any of the other uh, nursing uh, companies. His overhead is like 8% compared to 28% of everybody else. Uh, so that's one company. I also mentioned the Curian. Um, they've gone on a mission to create what they call a, develop, a uh, developmental organization. Um, and they're as close to a living organization as, as I can, that I've seen. As a matter of fact, Brian Ungard, the chief purpose officer, uh, has been saying lately, unless you make the shift and see the organization as a living being, you cannot implement some of the principles of uh, a deliberately developmental organization or agile or lean or self-management because the old paradigm, the machine paradigm, will suck it in and distort it from what it's intended to be until you make the shift in thinking to that of a living organization and see your organization as a living being. You can't get to where we want to get to. That's a paraphrased quote from Brian of the Curian um, from a podcast he gave not too long ago. Uh, so, yeah, I, I say we're beginning to see some real successes out there. Um, and people trying to experiment with the, with the shift, but it's a tough, changing a paradigm, like going from the world is flat and I'm safe and secure to the world is round and, oh, my God, what happens when I sail over the horizon? Uh, that's not easy for people to do, and that's why Quantum Leaders was created to help with that shift. And we've been talking to the CEO of Quantum Leaders now. He's also the author of The Living Organization, which is available at Amazon.com, Norman Wolfen. And Norman has done something really cool for our big-time Talker podcast listeners. If you visit quantumleaders.com slash podcast, you can get the first three chapters of the book for free. Norman, thanks for spending some time with us. We're out of time, but I sure do appreciate uh, your insights, and, and I hope you and your family stay safe and healthy through this whole thing. Thank you, Berg. Again, thank you for having me, and thank to you and your family. These are going to be tough times, and reaching out to everybody as part of a human community is going to help us all. 
Yes, sir. You bet. Norman Wolf, our guest today, the CEO of Quantum Leaders. He's one of the leading voices in the United States about bringing about transformation of the core paradigm of business, and his advice is certainly needed now, probably more than at any time in the past. Pick up his book, The Living Organization, now at Amazon.com. Hey, wherever you are, whatever you do, stay safe, stay healthy, make it a great day. Thanks for listening. The Big Time Talker podcast is a service of SpeakerMatch.com. Bye, everybody. Thank you.